everyone and a very warm welcome to this episode of the Learning Journeys podcast from Lacuna Learning. We hope you are all keeping well and in our second episode we are delighted to be joined today by Alan Lynn. Originally a PE teacher, Alan is a hugely experienced coach, coach developer, mentor and in a previous life was a successful academic. He is currently national coach at Scottish Swimming and also has the dubious honour of having given me my first proper job many years ago. Um, and is a good friend, so always a pleasure to catch up. So many thanks for your time, Alan. Thank you, Doug. It's nice to be on the other side of the podcast microphone. I seem to be the de facto host of Scottish Swimming. I'm not sure how I managed to get that job on top of all the other things I do. So by way of warming us up today, um, what is now becoming a regular feature on the podcast, um, I've got a question for you that I'm going to ask everyone. So if you could go on an adventure anywhere in the world, where would you go? Who would you go with? And what would you do? Well, I'd, I did actually, I must admit, listen to your first podcast. And I'm um, a wee bit sorry that I did because I want to go to Nepal, <laughs> which is what you, Liz, said you wanted to do. Uh, it's always been a that's a dream of, of mine to do. I don't have a bucket list as such. I'm very fortunate to travel a lot. I have travelled a lot in my job and in my life. I've rafted and I've climbed and all sorts of things. But Nepal fascinates me. But I want to do it the proper way and get to Kathmandu, see that, and then take the two and a half weeks or whatever it is to walk to base camp, like one of my friends did as soon as he left university, which is really what I should have done then, of giving you a different answer this morning. That's okay. It's, uh, it's your choice. You can go wherever you want. The fact that we've all said Nepal, we need somebody next time to say somewhere else or maybe just say something really local that we'd like to go and do they've not done yet. Listen, you've had a, a pretty interesting, extensive journey and career, so I'd just love to unpick that a little bit today. So could you maybe just start at the beginning? Tell us, um, how did you get into sport in the first place? What, what's that journey been like for you? So I'm originally from Port Glasgow, which is a town on the Clyde, the port of Glasgow, as it once was. I learned to swim there, and as a result of a bunch of us learning to swim at the same time, we formed a swimming club, or our parents did, and uh, that led to a little bit of training and a little bit of competition and um, getting reasonably good at it, and uh, almost all of that original group moved from Port Glasgow to a very successful club called Paisley. And we swam there for <clears throat> quite some time, all of us, certainly through our uh, secondary school and into our university years. And all of my coaches at Paisley Swimming Club were PE teachers, which leads me on to one of the things you mentioned in, in the introduction, a lot of those influences in my teenage years as a competitive swimmer um, were from PE teachers. And that's where that uh, next stage of my journey um, went to. I swam at a reasonable level. I, I was in the Commonwealth Games squad for 1982. Didn't quite make the cut. And thereafter was uh, training to be a PE teacher and decided about halfway through that course that uh, I wasn't going to be in the frame for the Edinburgh Commonwealth Games and decided to start to coach and teach as a means to make some money as a student, as we all do. So um, between working in a bar and teaching and coaching swimming, uh, I managed to earn some money and did all the things that we do at that age and bought a car and became independent and so on. So yeah, swimming, teaching, coaching, all stemming from learning to swim at Port Glasgow Baths, as it was once called. 
Wow, what a great little uh, story. I've, do you know, I've known you for years. I've never actually asked you how you how you got into swimming in the first place and how that came to be. Did you do any other sports growing up or were you really just swimming was the thing? Swimming was the thing. I, I was in the boys' brigade and uh, so I played football and did um, what they used to call gymnastics. It was really vaulting and, and so on. But... Um, I was keen on everything, but didn't really get the chance to do very much other than swimming yeah, until I went to PE college when obviously I had to, to do lots and lots of uh, other sports as part of my training. So um, keen on sport, always have been, and uh, loved the opportunity that PE college gave me to do those other things that up until that point as a swimmer, I didn't really get the chance to do. Okay, wow, interesting. Now, I suppose what is these days probably quite unique is that coaching and teaching to some extent started together for you that you were doing doing both I'm, I'm really interested when you went to become a PE teacher and you began learning about that process how, how did what you'd learned from from coaching kind of um, dovetail with that yeah I, I probably as you've alluded to there teaching and coaching are synonymous with me and and vice versa um I, I probably was as keen on both as uh, I was on anything else. Uh, learning about learning, <laughs> if I could put it that way, or learning about education as part of my PE teacher training, I think has been invaluable for me. And as you know, I, I bang on about that kind of stuff quite a lot. And for me, teaching and coaching in a sporting context is, is about learning uh, completely. If you're Whether you're a top-class athlete or whether you're a beginner, um, the process of whatever it is that we do to engage with them is about learning for me and always has been, always will be. And I think giving me something solid to base that on as I did as a trainee teacher, I think has stuck with me for a long, long time. Okay, so I'm dead interested because you kind of skimmed a little bit. Where did the coaching journey go? Obviously, you went off to be a teacher, but presumably coaching carried on for you during that time. Yeah, it did. I, I did it alongside. I mean, teaching was was more of a sort of, uh, what do you say, seasonal thing. So when the schools were off, there was opportunities to teach something more than, um, than there was during term time because I was training and uh, coaching started. I always <laughs> laugh at it, the, the, this place I started. I was the fifth level coach in a swimming club way back in those days in the nineteen eighties and. Uh, the four coaches who were above me, if you like, in the pecking order were all incredibly successful PE teachers and coaches in their own right. So I started at not even the bottom of the ladder, the middle of the ladder as far as the club was concerned and learned, I always used to say I learned how not to be a parent. Um, even if I'd never had kids in my life, I knew how not to be a parent um, from watching the parents of uh, swimmers when I was coaching their 10, 11 and 12 year old kids. Um, fascinating opportunity to, to interact with, with people who were uh, only interested in one thing in life and that was how their son or daughter could get to swim in the relay team or to get picked for such and such a squad. Um, it was quite interesting. Of course that follows through with me now to my job as uh, a day job as National Coach of Scottish Swimming having to deal with swimming parents again in a slightly different uh, context but yeah, coaching was, was something probably from my late teens onwards that has stuck with me. And, and although I've had various jobs that you've mentioned um, earlier on, coaching or helping coaches has uh, stuck with me all of that time. That's really interesting. Now, 
you're a very humble character, so you've neglected some important things for our listeners, which is that um, you have coached some pretty fast swimmers over the years. You have coached people at Commonwealth Games level and, and so on. So how did that all come to be? Uh, the people who influenced me, uh, my own coaches, obviously, but people once I started to think about coaching more seriously, um, director of swimming at the time, who's no longer with us, Hammy Smith, and uh, my my. You call me your first real boss, my sort of first real boss, and in this context, a guy called John Lyle, who who we both know, and they really influenced me into taking coaching much more seriously. I got a full not a full time, sorry, a head coach's job in Stirling, where I am currently reside, and started to coach at the club there. And we had some good kids, and they got better. Um, some of them did really well. I've been in Olympic finals and won Commonwealth Games and, and so on. So it was lovely to be part of that um, journey with them. I gave up a very solid, very well-paid job at the time with what was um, called the Scottish Sports Council, now Sports Scotland, because I wanted to pursue a passion, which was um, coaching. I had no idea how I was going to pay the mortgage or the rent or the shopping <laughs> bill, but I knew I wanted to coach and uh, that everything else sort of became subordinate to that and uh, I'm still here I'm still kicking and whatever it was was a fantastic learning experience taking the plunge as it were no plunge intended to coach full time with uh, with no safety net yeah no I very much know that feeling of I've no idea how I'm going to do this or how I'm going to pay the mortgage but let's let's just do it anyway and then somewhere along that road you find yourself moving into the academic sphere how, how did that come to be yeah, I need to correct you on that because you had a lovely um, description, introduction of me, but I always called myself a pracademic, as you know, um, which speaks to my philosophy of, of all of these things, which is uh, doing is much better than knowing or talking about knowing. Um, so, yeah, I, I brought, I hope I brought with me my experience in, in teaching and coaching to everything I did as a university um, lecturer, teacher, um, senior teaching fellow as I became and uh, for me that was crucial is to bring some realism or, or to use probably the, the appropriate philosophical basis pragmatism to what uh, what I talked about to students and, and that included student PE teachers which was lovely at Sacklide University um, and student coaches, sports scientists, sports development um, people at uh, Stirling University where I was for seven years. Okay, you've just provided me the perfect sort of um, segue there into where you are now, I guess. I've just um, noted down something you said there, doing is much better than knowing, and there's something really powerful in that uh, for everyone, I think. So it would be my assumption, and it might be the wrong assumption, that the opportunity to go to Scottish Swimming as national coach would be something of a dream gig. Would that be fair? Uh, well, yes, of course. It, it was Dream Gig Part 3. Um, if I just explain, I did work for Scottish Swimming in the late 80s when I coached in Stirling for the first time. I was a sort of part-time development officer. We only had, I think, four members of staff at the time, and I was added into that. So we were a very small governing body, as they all were in those days. Uh, and then before I started the academic gig, I was the technical director for Scottish Swimming around about the time of the Manchester Commonwealth Games and Sydney Olympics. So I went away, did my academic thing, my pracademic thing, and then uh, came back to, again, an opportunity which I didn't think was going to present itself to be national coach. So, yeah, it's, it's fantastic to be back. It's a sport that I've, as I've described, been involved in for 
quite a lot of years and uh, to be leading the programme from position of, of national code is, is great. But again, it's all about what people are doing as opposed to what they think they know. I won't steal your thunder because I kind of know, I think, where you're going to go with this in a minute. National coach, there would be a presumption from some that you're like the the guru coach, you know everything and you know it all. Uh, but I know a bit differently than that. In terms of your role then, how, how does that break down in terms of time spent working with swimmers, working with coaches, management, so on? What, what does that look like? Yeah, we, we don't go for that guru charismatic thing um, in Scottish swimming. Uh, we did for a while, in fairness, and, and it worked uh, really well with a good uh, friend of mine. But uh, we, I think now, are, are trying to build a more solid um, future for ourselves. So my role includes heading up the national programme, working with swimmers and coaches on squad weekends, national team trips, Commonwealth Games, etc. And part of that role, I think, uh, extends to working with British swimming and in terms of their um, teams and squads as well but a large part of I think what I bring to the job is around uh, coach development and my work is done largely through coaches rather than directly with the uh, swimmers so I have no day-to-day or week-to-week responsibility for a group but I do have um, an oversight if you like of the program of summer development and work as I've said, more directly with, with coaches. That does include being on deck, so I don't sit in the balcony and take notes and I don't uh, pass judgment on things that I don't know anything about. But I do enjoy getting on deck and having a stopwatch if required and working with coaches um, to hopefully improve their practice and also obviously the performance of their swimmers. Okay, so we're in a pretty interesting space talking about developing other coaches um, and I suppose there's probably been this historic thing that at some point you do enough coaching that they go, you must be able to teach other other coaches to do what you do. Talk to us a bit about maybe your working process in terms of how you like to work with coaches and um, maybe some of the practices that you have found to be most effective in supporting their development and their progression and the progression of the swimmers with them. Yeah, I want to go back to something I mentioned earlier or someone I mentioned earlier, that's John Lyle, who my role with, with John was at a thing called the National Coaching Centre, which was at Cram and um, Murray House College as it became Edinburgh University as it um, became even after that. And, and I was like a coaching development officer and it was essentially learning at the feet of um, one of then and, and now the most respected um, thinkers and, and writers about coaching. And very early on, John and I agreed that one of us had to be credible continuing to be credible in the field. And John was an international volleyball coach. He coached Murray International, the Scottish team. So he uh, was more credible than me at one point. And then he decided he wanted to pursue an academic route and I became the more active coach in, in that partnership. But John's influence on me was significant in terms of um, how I began to think about coaching, how I began to think about um, developing coaches and helping coaches to learn. Uh, to the extent that, although not immediately, once I had gone away and coached full-time and uh, decided I wanted to look at this a bit further, I did the master's programme in, in coaching that John ran and graduated um, from that at Edinburgh University in the late uh, 90s, early noughties, whenever that actually was, and um, that has stuck with me um, to extend that I set up two master's programmes of my own when I was at Stirling, but that was that's kind of by the by. I took with me all of that, I guess, um, theoretical conceptual basis for what coaching is and what coaching should be 
uh, and carry that with me to the work that I do um, just now. And um, whilst I'm not hung on any particular theory, I do think you need to get down and dirty in the weeds or the swamplands, as Robin Jones calls it, um, where you're actually working with coaches in situ or as, as we like to call it, learning at work with them um, directly on, on deck. Taking that away and tossing it around and discussing it over a cup of coffee or whatever needs to be done, but that has to be tested, that has to be seen and it has to be practised. Uh, and then you generate the feedback that takes you and the coach forward. God, how interesting is that? I, um, I've written down quite a lot there, actually. Um, this idea of being academically informed, but you know, you're in the swampland, you're on deck, you're in whatever that environment is, so you can touch it. And it's that idea of learning in the field, learning at, at work. So things are in okay in theory, but what about in, in practice? Something you said earlier on, I just want to pull on if that's okay. And you've said this to me a few times, this one of us needed to be credible, which I thought, which made me smile. And um, interestingly, when I started my current job, my PD boss agreed that I needed to keep coaching. And that was partly so I didn't forget what it was like, but also partly so I was credible. What does credibility look like? Um, you know, some people will have, you know, been high level athletes in the past. so They might have credibility because of that. Um, some people must, like myself haven't had that opportunity or that experience. How, what does that look like? And, and how do you, um, how do you go about maybe um, showing that to the people you work with? Yeah, it's an interesting one because, I, you know, one of my popular um, glib phrases is show me your scars, show me your medals. And credibility is no more complicated than that. People need to know that you've been, I'm going to use lots of different metaphors um, throughout this, as you can imagine, you know, in the trenches, in the swamp, whatever your, your preferred description of that is, people need to know that you've done that. And whilst that, in my case, could have been quite some time ago in, in terms of being an active coach, the other things that you do between then and now are, are important too. So whether that's fighting the cause for coaches at a committee level or whether it's working as I have done through many, many years, almost as soon as I started coaching, I started to run coach education courses, pushed very, very strongly by um, the director of swimming at the time. And uh, that has been something where I guess I've gained some credibility because all of the coaches, probably all of the coaches, bar a, a very, very small number, have gone through some form of coach education with me as a, a tutor. Um, to use that popular expression. Um, so that gains you credibility too. I've written books, which I'm not, you know, fussed about in terms of uh, my name or my, my bank balance, but that gives you credibility. And then you earn your spurs, don't you, by helping people, by working with them and them thinking, oh, that was useful, giving them information which they can go away uh, and use. So you know, it's horses for courses, really. For some people, it'll be, who did you coach? What do they do for other people? It'll be, how can you help me? And, and if that comes off positively, then I suppose it doesn't do your credibility any harm. Yeah, thanks, Alan. That was, uh, it, I was expecting a good answer. And I definitely got one there. I suppose what I was writing down there, this idea that people need to know that you've done that, that doesn't necessarily mean you need to have the same experience, but that you have an idea of what it's like to be in that position. So I guess what I'm wondering if if this is maybe partly about empathy, that I get you, I get where you're at right now, I have been in a similar position before, um, so I can understand that, and then maybe can I help you? Yeah, there is definitely that, and I hope you display what you've just said in the the way that you conduct yourself. For me, it's not always about 
and I know you didn't mean this, but it, it's not always about oh, well, when I was coaching or when I coached so and so. I despise that kind of way of people trying to justify themselves. If you can't be credible in the here and now, then you shouldn't really be doing what you're doing. Um, you, you know, it doesn't matter what you did 20 years ago or what your swimmers did 20 years ago. Um, if you want to be current and credible now, then you need to be there for the people who are around you at the moment. And uh, and that's really about being there for them and their needs, not about what you think they need. So, yeah, that's definitely empathy in anyone's uh, dictionary. Yeah, no, thanks. That was exactly what I meant. I didn't mean it. you've been there before. Oh, I've been there before, so you should just do what I did. Um, but it's more that I know what that might feel like for you right now um, and, and uh, I can connect with you in that way. Uh, yeah, but we both know there are people who who, <laughs> who are only thinking themselves as credible because that's what they did. Yeah, and, that, uh, yeah. So less said about them, the better. Yeah, and that certainly has never been my experience of you in terms of the way you, you work for people and you you know you back people and you you maybe see potential in them. That's certainly something people always say about you that you have this ability to see somebody who could be good at something, which which I think is a really great quality in any mentor or coach developer. So moving very sadly towards the end of our conversation, thinking about maybe advice you might give to other coaches, young coaches or young coach developers out there, given all your many, many years in the field, in the trenches, getting the scars, as you put it so elegantly earlier, what might be some of your some of your advice or thoughts or, or, or um, nuggets that you might have for them? Yeah, I... I uh... I'm still the only person in my family to have uh, any kind of university degree, to bachelor's or beyond. So I I always advise people to be curious. Uh, I, I don't know where I got that from. Um, my house is, and my garage, full of books, uh, to the extent that I really need to ship some of them on to, to a good home. And so I don't know where I developed that curiosity from. But I have it, and I'm always seeking new information, new knowledge. Um, I think I'm responsible for some of Jeff Bezos's initial profits as the owner of Amazon when I was only buying books from it, from that place. Uh, so I would always, always encourage young coaches in particular, but but everybody to be curious, seek out information they think will be useful, and not in a in a linear, straightforward, right in front of you kind of way. Um, read. A across a breadth of information, whether that's business, whether it's leadership, whether it's psychology, or indeed um, other sports to your own. All of that, I think, is, is significant and important. Uh, yeah, I suppose in some ways that makes you quite boring because you're always thinking of ways to be better at what you do. But yeah, I mean, I'm interested in things outside of sport, but I still think of, oh, well, how can that ballet performance or how can that uh, theatre production, how, how does that link to how we do things in sport or, or in my case, in, in swimming? So I'm always trying to connect stuff up that way. And I would urge everyone not to be afraid to ask questions of people who they think are more more experienced, more knowledgeable um, than they are, um, particularly coaches. I've never once come across a coach who's refused a question or a, um inquiry from a younger coach why do you do that and how, what's that for and can you give me a drill for this or whatever the, the query is young coaches are sometimes quite reticent to do that but I would always encourage them to to ask the questions I know I did and I was grateful for the responses I got and it's a bit of a kind of pay it forward kind of thing for your sport 
ask the question, find out the answer and be ready to do the same thing for the next person who comes along. Thanks, Alan. As always, you manage a rule of three. So we've got three amazing things there. So one is be curious, read broadly. And the second thing you said there was, was don't be afraid to ask questions of others. You're absolutely right. No one ever really refuses to answer your question or to share what they know. I've never had that once happen. And the third thing really you said there right at the end was give back. You know, that sport has given you loads of amazing things. So at some point, the time will come for you to give something back. So don't be afraid to do that. We could undoubtedly continue this conversation for many, many, many hours. And uh, sadly, we just we just don't have time. Um, I'm so grateful to you for, for the time you've given us and things you've shared. There are a whole host of nuggets in there for people listening at home. So I hope you picked up on some of them. Things I've written down. Doing is much better than knowing. I quite like that. That's sitting with me. Uh, and this idea of um, of being a real person and being someone that they know that you you get them, you get what it's like to be them in that position right now. That's sort of sitting with me as well. So, Alan, thank you so much. Um, where can people keep in touch in terms of your updates and what you're up to and what you're doing next and so on? Uh, I am on Twitter at A-L-Y-N-S-W-I-M, so at Alan Swim. Um, if anybody's really keen to contact me about anything, my email address is a.lynn at scottyswimming.com. Uh, given what I just said, I will not ignore your emails and inquiries. <laughs> I'm trying to help you along the way if, if I can. Um, I should say, if you're listening to this and running, I apologise if we've made you stumble. Um, I hope you haven't fallen asleep through the last uh, 20, 30 minutes or so, but uh, I, will, uh, I will be willing to. I'm on Instagram, but I really don't post that often. I'm a bit of a lurker when it comes to that. Uh, I like to see what other people are doing, but I'm not interesting enough to put anything on my own up. Okay, great. Well, he is very active on Twitter these days, so um, do keep an eye out. He always has some something worth reading to share, so just keep an eye out on that. Everyone at home, thank you for listening. Um, do keep an eye out for future podcasts. Um, the intent is to put these out on a fairly regular basis. Um, and do hit subscribe if you want to, to make sure you never miss out. Um, and obviously at the moment, the most important thing is um, everyone stay safe. So thank you all very much for listening. 